This program is designed to provide general information with regards to the subject matters covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, sponsors, or station are engaged in rendering any specific and personal medical, financial, legal, counseling, professional service, or any advice. You should seek the services of competent professionals before applying or trying any suggested ideas. for beloved immortal beings and good looking people remember you're good looking because you're always looking for and finding the good and we have good and abundance today overflowing an amazing wonderful powerful being is going to be joining us in just a few minutes and you are going to truly be moved by the interesting insights that she will bring to you, because that's what this show is all about. You tuned in to the joy of living with your humble host, Barry Shore, for one reason and one reason only. It's the best reason, because you care the most in the entire world about you, Y-O-U-E-W-E. And that's great, because when you become the best you, you make the world a better place. You build bridges of harmony. You create more joy, happiness, peace, and love in the world. And that's what the joy of living is all about. This show deals with the three fundamentals of life. And these three fundamentals are going to enable you to be happier, healthier, and wealthier. Who doesn't want that? And the three fundamentals of life are, number one, life. Your life has purpose. And when you lead a purpose-driven life, you can go MAD. Now, in this case, MAD is a wonderful acronym that stands for Make a Difference. You lead a purpose-driven life, you make a difference in the world for yourself, your family, your friends, and the entire planet. And we need you. And the third fundamental of life is to unlock and uncover the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms. Everyday words and terms. Simplest example, by right now, uh, we're being carried worldwide over an interesting phenomenon called the internet. By the way, just so you should know that you are being joined right now by 348,617 people around the world, every single place in the world, every continent, certainly, actually even Antarctica, that's right, uh, and many of the most populous, interesting countries in the world are tuning in because Joy is that unique essence of life that everybody wants to live in every day, no matter the circumstances. And that's what we explore on this show, the joy of living. Anything and everything you want to know about our guest today, by the way, just go to my website, www.barryshore.com, and everything about our guest will be there. So for right now, all you need to do is just lean in, let the information flow through you, around you, and in you, and you will be the better for it. And then you can go visit the site later. And of course, you want to share this show with at least five people. So that means over a million and a half people will be hearing about the joy of living in our wonderful, magical, mystical, 
maiden <laughs> will be joining us a little bit later. Okay, just in just a bit. So, what is the uh, the great simple word or letters? W W W. Huh? Ask anybody. What does W W W stand for? And very good. Say the internet. And factually speaking, they're correct. But in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, W W W stands for drum roll, fanfare. Da 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 da. What a wonderful world. <laughs> and what a, <clears throat> is a word, right? W-H-A-T-A. And thank you to Louis Armstrong and Satchmo for enabling that song to go viral and touch not just tens or hundreds of millions of people, but billions of people around the planet. And whenever you hear the opening bars even of that song, what a wonderful world, what do you do right away? You can't help it. You smile. Now, smile is one of the most important words you could ever understand, utilize, and integrate, and leverage in your life because smile stands for seeing miracles in life every day seeing miracles in life every day now when i speak to groups and thank god now again through COVID, we'll be speaking again to human beings in person will be great but the last time i spoke to over five thousand people in the audience and people right away I tell the story of Barry Shaw, I say, smile and see miracles. People raising their hands say, hey, Barry Shaw, Barry Shaw, I've been up for hours where I haven't seen any miracles. And I ask them, are you here? Can you hear? Can you see? Can you walk? Can you stand still? Can you have water, drink, food, tea, play, sleep, family, friends? Every single one of those is a miracle. And what's the simplest proof? Simple proof is a million people didn't get out of bed this morning. You know why? They died. Well, guess what? By definition, you didn't. If you're watching or listening, you're alive. And if you're alive, you have an obligation to live exuberantly. So here's a simple uh, thought experiment. Imagine the following. Standing up in the morning, hale and hearty, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, and that evening being in the hospital totally, completely paralyzed. That's the story of Barry Shore. Imagine, overnight, and a disease, not from a car accident, not a spinal injury, a rare disease, which I never heard of the day before. And now I'm a quadriplegic. I was 144 days in the hospital, two years in a hospital bed in my own home. I couldn't turn over by myself. I was four years in a wheelchair. I had braces on both my legs, my hips, my ankles. That was progress. Thank God today I'm able to be vertical and ambulatory with the help of a seven-foot walking wand made for me by a Zen master. I still can't walk up a stair by myself. I can't walk up a curb. And I have helped. 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you hear my voice, positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. It's all because being able to see miracles in life every day. Still takes me 10 minutes to get out of bed in the morning. Who cares? I get out of bed. <laughs> like I tell you a quick story. My eight-year-old niece comes over to me a few weeks ago. She says, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile, S-M-I-E-L? And I thought about it. I said, smile, smile. Sounds the same. Why not? Ask how come. Because she says, because then it was there for seeing miracles in everyday life. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. Isn't that wonderful? What was she doing? She was creating the kind of world she wants to live in. Create is a wonderful acronym that stands for causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. You have a wonderful brain. Your brain has over 100 billion brain cells and over 120 trillion synapses connecting all those brain cells. And they're more than, than to just to decide what kind of latte you want this morning. The ability to do rethinking, neuro-linguistic programming. Again, that's the reason you tuned in. You tuned in to become the best you possible through listening to the joy of living. And our amazing person today is going to help propel you in the 
inexorable decision that you have made to become the best you. But I do have to interrupt myself and just warn you in advance that your humble host does use a lot of four-letter words. I even use the four-letter F you words. I'm just preparing you. But the four-letter words, of course, that we use because we live in the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant are life, live, love, hope, grow, free, play, pray, gift. <laughs> and the four-letter F you word is fun. Fun, yes, F-U, capital N, capital N. But Barry Shaw, Barry Shaw, fun's only spelled with three letters, not in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, pleasant. Fun is spelled F-U, capital N, capital N. So after the show, you see a family of friends, you have a twinkle in your eye, a smile on your face, remember that stands for, and you point your fingers at F-U, everybody. Remember to add right away, capital N, capital N. I said, where'd you get that? I said, I listened to Barry Shaw on the joy of living. He wants to teach the world to F-U capital N, capital N, you'll certainly get their attention. Then you can talk to them about what we learned today on the joy of living and our amazing guests. Before we do that, I'm just going to ask everybody to consider, and thank God tens and tens of thousands of people are doing this. We've, we've really shown people what they can do. It changes you, changes your family, your friends, and it's so easy to do. To use the two most powerful words in the English language and use them three times a day. Well, you know what three looks like. Three times a day, consciously and conscientiously for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. And you do this, and you will be transformed. And these two words are, drum roll, fanfare, da-da-da-da. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks stands for to harmonize and network kindness. To harmonize and network kindness. The Dalai Lama has been quoted as saying, I read in his writings, be kind whenever possible. And it's always possible, he laughs. <laughs> it's true. Now imagine we're going to be able to go back into our coffee shops and you walk in and you order your fancy latte for $5 and you sit down so he brings it to you. You say, thank you. Imagine you walk in the coffee shop, you order a fancy latte for $5, you sit down, a few minutes go by, nobody brings it. You go to the counter, they say, oh, sorry, we're so busy. We'll bring it to you. Just wait a minute. You go back, you sit, a few more minutes go by, and still you say, thank you. you are, you're uh, walking out of the coffee shop and it's raining out. Somebody holds the door open for you. You say, thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop. It's raining and somebody slams the door on you. You say, thank you. You're stuck in traffic. You're late for an appointment. Somebody cuts you off. You say, thank you. You get up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe and it hurts. You say, thank you. To harmonize and network kindness. Kind stands for keep inspiring noble deeds. I cannot think of anybody that I would like to share with you who, in my humble opinion, keeps inspiring noble deeds more so than Alison Waring. Alison, are you here to say hello to 300 I, now, 351,722 people around the world? Hello. <laughs> Look at this bountiful, <laughs> beloved being. Isn't that wonderful? Look at that smile on her face and her whole glow glistening. So, Allison, I'm gonna, if I started reading all the things you've done, we'll take up the rest of the show. So I'm just going to say a few words that I have written down here that you are, again, we don't like to box ourselves in, but just to make sure everybody understands, Allison Waring, as you can see, she is an author. How can you see that? Because you see that she emanates 
genius. She's not only a genius, she's a multi award-winning writer, playwright, and performer. And we're going to be speaking about all of those things in her travels. So I really want to talk about is her latest book, which is called Moments of Glad Grace. Now, at, at this point, I have not been able to come up with an acronym for M-O-G-G, but maybe by the end of the show, we will. But uh, let's just cut right to it. Wonderful, Allison. Welcome. She is sitting in Canada at the moment. Are you in Peterborough? I'm in Stratford. Stratford, of course. <laughs> Whoever, <laughs> oh, I, I'm presuming in London, Stratford is probably a, a suburb of Toronto. Well, it's not far from Toronto, but it's okay. Uh, but, uh, it very good. We, don't, we don't use the suburb word. We'll just say not far from Toronto. But uh, <laughs> and she's not even near the, the the river of Avon. But that's okay. Well, it's, actually, yeah, there is there is one here. Yeah, it is, and we have a Shakespeare festival. Right. Well, that, that I think it was originally named Stratford because there is a river called Avon, which was named by the then settlers, and they say, well, why not? Let's bring Shakespeare here, of course, who is now not persona non grata in a lot of the world, the people who are called educated, but we won't call them that because they're not. Let's leave that for another time, okay, Allison? Deal. So we're just gonna use the, um, the the two letters of your names, the A-W, and say, ah, because that's how I feel with you here. And let's just jump right into a, some of the, the ideas that you as a writer, now let's just put things in context. You are a professional writer, which means that you write, you earn the ability to furnish a home, eat food, travel, and do other things through the written word. That's how you communicate. And not only that, but people actually pay you for it. In other words, they want what you produce so much because it makes a difference. I mean, you are really a mad woman. You're making a difference. <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. Because <laughs> you're a wordsmith. I mean, that, that's what you do, right? Yeah. So let's go right into it. And, and I want to ask you, why do you think people, whether they get paid for it or not, are compelled to write? What is it that motivates the human to communicate in writing? Connection. I think we long to connect. And as human beings, we've always connected through story. You know? So we, we would have sat around a fire and told stories. That would be the way we knit a community together. It's still the way that we knit family together around a dinner table or friends gather and, and share stories, particularly, well, particularly, I think women do that more. I mean, not to generalize, but I think women get together more and tell stories about their lives, particularly personal stories. No, that's, that's the way that we find each other. And then why do people do it for themselves? I think it is a process, you know, no thyself is one of the great human quests and when we sat down to write our own story i believe that's part of what the, the what is um propelling that search it's this innate drive to know ourselves to understand ourselves to make sense of our lives and in so doing to honor our lives and our voices and you're positing and i agree with you by the way but just leave that aside but you're positing that thinking about knowing oneself as distinct from writing down information or things and thoughts about yourself is a different process because when you commit it to what's called paper for the moment, unless you have, you know, you're out in the woods and you have charcoal and you're just going to write on a bark, but for the moment, pencil and paper, as opposed to by when we'll discuss it in a few minutes, writing on a phone or speaking into a phone, because that, that's another process. But 
I happen to be very tactile and I'm even older than you. So I enjoy something called a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper. I don't know if everybody around, by the way, most of the people listening to us are under the age of 36. So a lot of things that we say sometimes that you and I will nod our heads and say, oh yes, of course, for digital natives, it's a different process. But let's talk about writing. Now, uh, I want to work on one word that you mentioned, knit. Uh, I happen, to, as you know, I, I love words. And I find knit to be an interesting one because it's spelled so bizarrely. You know, we don't spell it N-I-T, which is how you should spell it. You're really knitting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when you're knitting, you know, the, the point is that the ability to manifest thoughts on some mode, in this case, I'll call it pencil and paper. I don't know if you're, as a writer, professional writer, are you a pen pencil writer on paper or are you more a, these days, writing on a um, keyboard? On a computer? I do both, I do both. The, I've, uh, I began writing in journals and I'm quite committed to the, to the good old fashioned paper and the, and the good old fashioned pen, but I really like a fountain pen. I'm a bit picky about that. But oh, I like the, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I enjoy even the, the sound of it, the scratch of, yes, uh, you know, yes. I'm very particular about the paper I use too. And there's something about, there's something about that, the physicality of that and all of the senses that are electrified by that experience that for me enhances that kind of writing. And so I like to do that writing first thing in the morning. That's where a lot of the real gems that I end up pulling into my computer, that's where they originate. They originate from that process. But when I'm writing and particularly when I'm editing, I do do it on a laptop because it's so much easier you know, to just um, correct and go back and shape things. So that, so I would say that the first hunk of clay that I'm going to sculpt emerges on paper. And then by the time what, when I'm doing the more, more fine um, shaping and and um, sculpting, then I do that on a computer. So let's listen to what Allison has shared with us. First of all, uh, very evocative. She's careful about the paper she writes on. I mean, imagine that, you actually have a preference. I won't even ask you which one it is, although you can whisper it to me. But, uh, <laughs> but she, she likes the sound. See, everything about the process, I'll use your term, the process of writing is very visceral. There's a sound, there's an energy exchange between the human being and this thing called, uh, whether it's ink or paper or carbon in a pencil, but there's an exchange of energy which electrifies, using your term, and therefore re-stimulates the brain to say, oh, let's do more of this. This is great. This is fun. F you. When was the last time anybody said F you, Alice, and you laughed? This is fun. In other words, that process of creating fun, even if you're writing something that, for want of a better term, is called dark. You know, you're really deep inside of the being. You're bringing out things that um, you really don't want to look at right now, but you want to look at. And you're writing them, and they may be appearing dark, but yet they now, once they are exposed to the light, have a life that is beneficial. 
Am I correct in saying that? that? Yeah, that's exactly it, actually. I think one of the, one of the I call it side benefits of working with our own story is sometimes people don't want to touch the stories that are the darkest and deepest in them, but those are so often the ones that have shaped us into who we are. And so those end up being ultimately the ones that most people, even if they don't begin that way, they do want to excavate those stories. And part of that, part of that I, I think is a, a, an attempt to understand them, but it's also um, unwittingly, I don't think we realize what, how, um, how therapeutic it can be, how beneficial it can be to remove the stories from our from our minds and bodies. And when we write them, this wonderful thing happens, which is that we begin to separate from the story. So rather than the story being so enmeshed with our identity and, and the way that we define ourselves, no, I am this thing that happened to me. I am this childhood. I am whatever it is. The moment we begin to write it, and particularly when we begin to work with it as writing, so when we begin to sculpt it and shape it into story and memoir, the story actually, there is this wonderful separation that happens. And it transforms from being my story, this thing that is about me, into a story. And the moment, the mo and there is this separate, there is a space between the person writing and the story. And the more they work with that story, the more that space grows. And so not only do, is the writer kind of liberated from their own story in that process, but that process also allows that story to be of interest to other people because there's now it's now become it's becoming something else it's becoming so much more than just my story and in the pros in that separation one of the things that i always encourage people to look for is what i call skywriting because flying above every personal story is is a larger story that tends to be universal in nature because and we're all human beings. Was, yes that's the word i wanted you to say hmm. that, in other words what no 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 what you're mentioning, because you used the word connect before, one of the reasons of writing, is that once you become go outside of self, the limiting self, you become part of the universal self, which, by the way, you, universal self, U.S., us, you like that? I just thought I of do. it. Universal <laughs> self, us. Very good. Because it's, it's right. That's skywriting. And, but if you try to do that, you won't do that. If you just be you and let the you come out, it will happen. That's what you're expecting, right? Let's talk about it on a very personal level, and let's use an example. One of your books, I believe, uh, it's called uh, Daughter of a Fairy? Confessions of a Fairy's Daughter. Yeah. Confessions of a Fairy Daughter. Now, uh, we're in a PC world, but, you know, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are under the age of 36, or let's say around the age of 22, you never heard words like fairy before. Um, yes, it's true that Allison does have wings and her father <laughs> may have had wings. And everybody, actually everybody has wings. All God's, there's a very famous song, a uh, blues song in America, all God's chillin' got wings. It's chillin', by the way, C-H-I-L-U-N, C-H-I-L-L-U-N. All God's chillin' got wings, because we're all angels. But what you're referring to is that you're, at some point you discovered that your father was a homosexual. Yeah. Uh, but I, I presume, by the way, that he was your biological father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm saying, so in essence, he was bisexual, but his inclination was towards being homosexual. Well, or he was a gay man 
his whole life who felt pressured into getting married. That's okay, I think that's how he would say it. But okay. but the 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 main thing is, as he would say, he got the best of both worlds in that right. he 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 fell in love with my mother. You no, know, they're still great friends. They they had a wonderful connection. They had a wonderful relationship. But he he was a gay man who needed to come into the truth of who he was and find the life that he needed. And so now he's actually married to a man and they've been together for 40 years this year. 40 oh years. Okay, so this, now the story becomes what? So again, <laughs> listening to Allison, it's not just doing theory. She's living the, again, skywriting. And I don't know what age you found this out, what it matter, but the used people who were uh, homosexual used to be called theories. That's yeah. why she used the term. Uh, it has, obviously, you can't say that in America today, or you could, but you get you might get stoned by the very liberal well, yeah, but, people. That's the funny thing, actually, is I got a bit of flack for the title because. But what was interesting about it was, you know, my dad and his friends. I use the term very endearingly, and they call right. each other fairies, no? Yes. And 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 you're very right that it sets it very distinctly in an era. You know, the moment with the moment we use the word fairy, we know we're talking about the men who came out in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Right. And uh, and so that's why I used the, the title, but I, I was surprised the number of people who were offended by that and offended on behalf of my father, who actually isn't offended at all. <laughs> okay. See, Allison, this is the genius of real life. Oh, you use that term. My dad loves it. Yeah, doesn't matter what he thinks. Don't you know? <laughs> I know, it's why, funny. Yeah? This is why your writing is so fabulous and expressive. And I just want to take people on a little bit of a journey. And I guess we'll, on the other side of a break we'll go to in a few minutes, we'll get more and more into memoir on the other side. But for right now, I just want to... Allison didn't always spend time just on Stratford-on-Avon in... Canada. <laughs> she has traveled to many very varied and interesting phenomenal places. I say it phenomenal. Uh, at a tender age, I'm not sure what it was, but you went to Prague and that was, let's say, I don't know, were you in your 20s? Uh, yeah, yeah, 23 okay. or something. Okay, so wait a minute, 23, leaving Canada to go to Prague to teach English to people in Prague who were thirsting, thirsting for access to what we'll call from today's world, Western literature and thoughts, because they were emerging from the darkness of the boot and the heel of the Soviet Union. Am I correct? Yeah, it was right after the revolution, the Velvet and, Revolution. Yeah, but you, we, you speak about it well, right after the revolution. But you know, see, as an example, there's a revolution going on in the United States of America right now and throughout the Western world, but it's the opposite revolution. It's not a revolution for enlightenment. Again, my humble opinion, I don't have to agree, it's a revolution of darkness because it's it is inhibiting what everything that you were writing about stood for, stands for. I mean, you also traveled, let's speak just a little bit. You went to uh, Serbia or Bulgaria or something. So Serbia, yeah, it was Serbia during the Balkan Serbia War. In the 1990s when war was raging. Now, again, yeah. think about it. <laughs> a tender young flower going <laughs> into a war zone to look and see what real life is like. Yeah, I was interested in that 
at, at that point in my life. I'd been to Yugoslavia before and I was at that point living in Italy and just beginning, I was working on a novel that never came to be, but it was, I was really just trying out my writing. Well, I was getting my writing chops. And uh, so I was just experimenting with things and reading a lot and just absorbing a lot. And in that the Balkan War was raging and I kept reading in the Herald Tribune, which was the, the English language newspaper that I could get in this little, um, in the town where I was living. And I, nothing, I couldn't reconcile what I was reading with my memories of Yugoslavia, because the people that I knew were not these people who were being represented in the newspapers day after day after day after day. So I thought, I well, I just felt that I needed to go and see for myself, and I I I just felt I needed, I needed to um I needed to go and find my friends and and both well I think I needed to assure myself that the world was not actually as dark as I was being made to feel it was. And so I went prepared to find anything. And what I found in amidst the horror, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay the horror of war by any means, but within that are all of these people who are kind, loving, uh, <laughs> wanting, to, uh, wanting to fall in love, wanting to share meals, wanting to laugh, wanting Live to raise in children. Peace. Yeah, and they don't, make the, they don't make the headlines. They're not newsworthy, according to most newspapers. And so those lives get eclipsed by these by one horror story after the next, after the next. And I wrote a long piece about that trip, and it won a big award here in Canada. And it launched, that was really what launched me, um, both my career, but also my, my thought at, to an idea that I could... Um, be a writer who goes to places where the where we perceive darkness and see what I find. So the next place that I went was Iran, and that was what that was my first book actually um, came out of that trip. Okay, on that high note, we'll <laughs> go right into that after the break because talk about darkness and bringing light. Mm. We'll be right back after this brief message. We're with Allison Waring, and she wears well. <laughs> hold on and be right back. Imagine the kind of place you would want to shop for your favorite fur baby pet. Honestpets.co. Well, you found it. Honestpets.co. Not .com, .co. This is your go-to spot for the best, the cleanest pet treats that exist anywhere on the planet. All of the brands go through a rigorous review to make sure they meet the high standards of cleanliness, health benefits, and naturalness. This site was started by a husband and wife team, and it's veteran-owned, and that care about pets, especially dogs and cats, and coming soon, bird treats. These are very nice young people who really care about making a difference because a portion of proceeds go to support veteran organizations with a focus on service dogs. This is the place where you want to go. You want to tell your friends this has the finest, yummiest, freshest, all-natural treats and stuff for your fur baby. So go there, honestpets.co honestpets.co. Do it now. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings and good looking people. Now we're going to be discussing, are you ready? Pain, pain, but Barry sure you're all about joy. That's true. But there is pain also in the physical being on the way to joy, at least for me. I have a personal struggle because I swim two miles a day, six days a week, and there's a, I should say, a, a constant pain in the neck and in the shoulders because I'm swimming a lot. Now, over half a million people in pain have used 
Curable to improve their lives. Curable is an app, and most of it is completely free. And I urge you get this app set up. Go to getcurable.com/joy. Getcurable.com/joy. And if you ever decide to upgrade your Curable app, you'll get 50% off the retail price just by using our link, which again is getcurable.com/joy. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. I did it, and I went from pain to joy. You'll thank me. Best wishes. Bye now. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved immortal beings and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. Good and abundance. Our cup runneth over with Good, and a being named Allison Waring, and she does wear well. And she is a multi-award-winning author, playwright, and great human being. Yes, she wins awards for being a great human being. And her latest book called Moments of Glad Grace, MOG, which we'll have to find some acronym for, uh, is out now, and it is transforming people. She also has a remarkably important a process called Memoir Writing Inc. Not I-N-C, but I-N-K, of course. And uh, in 12 weeks, you will be writing about your best self or learning to become your best self by going inside deep and looking even in the dark places to find the light. Because that's what she is. She's a Lucifer in a good sense. She brings light to the world. So we were talking about being in a dark place. We've got to mention just for a couple of minutes because I want to go right deeper into memoir writing. But you went to Iran in 2000. Ah! Hello, you're a regular non-Muslim woman traveling. First of all, how did you even get a, a, a visa or a passport to go? And how, why were you there? And what did you accomplish? I went because I felt like I was ready for a book-length work. I felt like I need, I wanted a big canvas. And I had done, as I said, just before the break, we, I'd gone to Serbia during the war and written a piece about that. And I'd gone into a place that was, from the outside, it seemed to be a place of total darkness and misery. And then I wrote, I mean, it wasn't that I ignored what was there, but alongside that, I was always color and light and joy and love and all of the things that we find everywhere. And so once I'd completed that, I felt that I wanted to do that on a larger scale. And I had some Iran, I was living in Montreal, I had some Iranian friends, and they'd given me a glimpse of what was possible there. Now they were poets and artists and, and they talked about Iran. And so they were actually though kind of discouraging of me because they had left at the worst possible moment when right. people were being hanged in the streets and they had to flee over the mountains and so on. And so they weren't very encouraging of my going, but I, I did, I went with um, my partner at the time. So we were traveling as a married couple and, but I was in full hijab, fully covered. It was the oh, only way thank that I you. could I, I, want, I was gonna say, no offense. No, but. the curls, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, no, uh, but getting a visa was difficult. It took months and months, and they wanted to only give us a, 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 a transit visa for five days, but we wanted to stay for a couple of months. So that took a long, long time and a bit of diplomatic wrangling. And uh, But we went in. And even before we'd arrived, even when we got on the bus, I mean, everybody's wearing their their black, no, black, brown, gray. And uh, when the bus pulled out, we got on the bus in Istanbul, and it's a three-day bus ride to to uh, Iran. 
And but the moment the bus pulled out of the parking lot, people started dancing in the aisles and they were passing out food. And I realized right away, well, I'd lived in the Middle East before, so I had a sense of you know Middle Eastern hospitality and so on. And uh, but Iran was in a league all its own. I have never laughed, I think, so hard with people that I, you know, with total strangers than I did there. We would get off a bus, no word of lie. We would get off a bus in a small town and people would hear us speaking English. Otherwise we were pretty indistinguishable from other people because I was dressed fully in black and so was so was my partner. But the moment they heard us speak English, we would be surrounded by people who'd say, do you want to come for coffee? And no, you can come for dinner at my place and I will show you and I will give you an architectural tour of the neighborhood and we can meet the mayor. And then, so we'd say, okay, first tea, then dinner, then the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> and we were shuttled all over the place. So, so the book, and I didn't know what I was going to find when I went. I mean, I was I was quite prepared to find exactly what we see on the news. No, mm -hmm. one horror story after the next. Death and again, and despair. Yeah, and again, it's not that it didn't exist. It's a horrendously oppressive regime, and, and horror stories uh, abound. But so do extraordinarily generous, kind and hospitable people. And so the book ended up being really, I think of it as a gallery of sketches of the Iranian people that I met. And each person that I met who was a particular character ended up being the, a chapter in the book. And so over the course of what ended up being two and a half months, I guess, um, I assembled a, that a series of portraits and they were welcomed in the Western world. Say, oh, another glimpse. Yeah, it surprises people. People always say, I can't believe how funny your book is. They just don't expect a book on Iran, which as I say, doesn't ignore the reality of it, but sets it against everything else that exists, but isn't deemed newsworthy. It's not newsworthy if someone invites you to dinner and, and offers you you know, eight hours of their time to tour you all around the village. That doesn't make headlines, but someone dropping a bomb, that takes the headline. And so okay. over time, we just develop a, a vision of a place. We, we assemble a, a vision of a place based on what we read and we don't have access to anything else. And so right. I, felt as, I felt it was my mission really as a writer to, to lift those things into sight and to give them the, um, the time and the, uh, well, the space that they deserve. Very nice to lift those things into light. So let's use that as our segue bridge to memoir because that's really what you're all about now. Here you are mm -hmm. a highly accomplished being in your chosen profession, which is writing. And now you're using all of your talents, your skills, your purpose, your drive in life to enable others to learn how to do what's called memoir. Mm -hmm. And you say something wonderful that I read, and I love it because the first two letters of memoir are me. And yet you make everybody aware that it's, if it's about me, then you're never going to write memoir. Memoir is less about you and more about, let's call it, for want of a better term, a life. But I'd rather you talk about it than me talk about it. So <laughs> talk to us about memoir and what the heck is your 12-week program and why should anybody care? Well, Memoir Writing Inc. emerged because I began to be invited to give workshops. I, I'm also a performer and I perform one woman shows that are um, autobiographical. So By the I, way, I, you're, doing it, you're doing it right now. Hello. <laughs> Probably I am. Yeah. So I have a show called Confessions of a Fairy's Daughter and it's a theater piece and I 
go into all of these characters and there's all this music and stuff. And then I would often the next day deliver a workshop on how to write memoir, how to take one's life story and transform it into art or to elevate one's personal story into ah, art. Ah, that's it. Very good. And, uh, and so I began to be invited to do more and more of these workshops. And then I began to lead these retreats in different places and gather people around the table and, and give them a few of the essentials that people need. Because the, what's interesting about memoir is that it doesn't matter how much experience you have. It also doesn't matter how exciting or dramatic your life has been. People tend to run up against the same obstacles and questions when they when they write their personal story. It doesn't matter if they've already written three novels or if they've never written anything. It's That's kind of interesting. So I began to assemble these these series of answers to those questions and obstacles and that and and gradually it became this uh, a course, no, a series of videos that I would offer to people who were interested. And then I had just decided, okay, I can only ever have seven people around the table. And what I love about watching this process with people is seeing week after week what these revelations bring to people. And as I alluded to before the break, there is this liberating quality to this work that is very unexpected to most people. You would think that delving into the darkest moments and digging into our stories like that would be would be in some ways just diving into a pit of despair. And it's not that it's not easy, but that isn't the end point. If we can go through, like so many things, if we can expose them to the light, as you said earlier, then they they uh, they lose often the hold that they've had over us, right. and we do end up separating from them and seeing them with a perspective that we can't see when they when we hold them so close to our chest, when they're so enmeshed into <coughs> our identity. But when we begin writing them, and so I would all I would just I marveled and and just loved watching. I could see it in people's faces and you know their whole bodies week to week to week. They would just get lighter and lighter and it's not that it's it's not that it's easy but as with most things that you know that are that require a certain um discipline or a certain focus there's a real reward at the end of it and it's for some people it's publication but for other people it's simply an honoring of who they know of what what they lived and how it how what what it did for them how it mm -hmm. made them into who they are so the the, the one of the I think biggest myths about memoir writing is that it's all about me. No, it's my story, me, me, me. And people say, oh, it's such a navel gazing pursuit and it's narcissistic and so on. But ideally when memoir is done well, it's the opposite of a narcissistic pursuit and it's the opposite of nasal, navel gazing. It's actually, ideally memoir is generous. And ideally it's, we, we are writing through our experience rather than about our experience we're mm -hmm. writing through our experience to something greater and more universal that then people can resonate with and also can apply to their own lives and that's why reading memoir can be so satisfying because it's not just that we're living vicariously through this person it's that there's something in that person's experience that is either resonating with our own or it's offering us a glimpse of something we hadn't quite seen before now i'm currently reading a book that's all about a person's uh, journey through leukemia. I've never had anything like that. But witnessing her appreciation for life is, as you talk about, you know, the, what she appreciates on a daily level, being on the other side of that experience. Well, that's, that's a gift to me. That's, mm -hmm. that, that reminds and instructs me to that 
that that shaft of light that just came in, that is, that as you say, is a mirror. By the way, that as is you, a beautiful as you thing. turned your face, just turn your face a little more towards that. Yeah, there's a shaft of light. <laughs> Literally, there's a shaft of So I love the, of the words that you, there was one thing that you said that really stood out, that the act of memoir is in essence generous. It's the essential giving of oneself. And those people, therefore, by definition, who say, oh, it's navel-gazing and there, by definition, they've never written a memoir. <laughs> well, or they haven't not. taken no. your course or listened to this <laughs> podcast because what this is all about is that it's the opposite process, which, by the way, is what you spoke about, let's say, by reading about war in the Balkans and now visiting human beings in the midst of war. And, and by the way, War is an eternal process. It's been going on since the time of human beings. So we're never going to avoid it. Obviously, thank God, most of the time in today's world, fewer places are engaged in conflict. But war is part and parcel of the human experience, as is love and giving. And so, and they, they tend to, wonder a better term, balance. In other words, if you're going to find the horrors you will find, as you did, equally, equally. You hear this, Allison? By definition, the good Lord made us equal. Now those forces are battling against each other. So it's incumbent upon everybody who's watching. The reason you tuned, in, tuned into the joy of living is to listen to Allison and really think about what it means to be you. Because we're really here to explore how you become the best you possible. So we only have a few minutes left. Imagine how quickly this goes by. I'm going to ask you three questions. Number one, will you come back again? No, I'd love to, yeah. Okay, that's number one. Number two, you have 80 seconds to answer this. That's it, 80 seconds. What is your most fervent desire? To be a channel of joy and light in the world. And color. I love color, as you can see. <laughs> yes, I do see. Thank you. Thank you. To be a channel of joy and color in the world. That is wonderful. And are you ready to accept a hug? Yes. <laughs> in, in front of 358,722 people around the world. First of all, I'm going to tell you what That's hug stands for. Hug stands for harmonizing unlimited giving. Harmonizing unlimited giving. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> I felt that. I felt that, Barry. Thank you so much. Oh, Thank I am a changed. Thank you. That's the two most powerful words in English language you've been listening to and working with and sharing wonderful Allison wearing on the joy of living with your humble host, Barry Shore. Remember here, this show is only and always about you. You becoming the best you. E-W-E, becoming the best you, and you'll be happier healthier and wealthier because of because you live the three fundamentals of life three fundamentals of life has purpose your life has purpose that's why you want to write your memoir you want to go mad you live a purpose-driven life you can go mad make a difference in the world and number three unlock the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms www what a wonderful world smile seeing miracles in life 
every day, or as my eight-year-old niece says, seeing miracles in everyday life. That's the key in the midst of war, difficulty, whatever, seeing miracles in everyday life. And you create the kind of world you want to live in, causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. Use your mind, neuro-linguistic program. It's in your hands. The six most important words you'll ever learn, utilize and leverage in your life. Choice, not chance determines your destiny. Use four-letter words. Live, life, hope, grow, free, gift, pray, play. Tell everybody, F you, capital N, capital N, because in the beginning, you have fun. You have fun. You're on the road to joy. And remember, use the two most powerful words in English language at least three times a day. You know what three? Allison, hold up three, please. Yeah, you see those three? There you go. Three times a day. Thank you, thank you, thank you to harmonize and network kindness. Everyone, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Therefore, be kind always. Kind also stands for connect in nature daily. Allison taught us connect, connect. <laughs> I like that. Connect and connect, and you will transform the world because you are a conscious, conscientious person who is always looking for and finding the good. That's the definition of a good-looking person. You can't get more good-looking than Alice Wearing, and we're happy that you're here. Thank you, everybody, so much. Our blessing is go forth, live exuberantly, <clears throat> spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and Love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Bye. <laughs>